friends, welcome to Reading Minds, where ordinary people talk about extraordinary books. Today I'm talking with Shannon and Susie for our monthly book club. This month, Shannon decided that we read The Murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. We love a good mystery, so what better than to read one by the queen of crime herself. Welcome to our book club for September 2018. month we went into the more sinister realm sinister. of books by doing a murder mystery Ooh. and of course because I previously said this in a, another um, podcast that we did that I love Agatha Christie and all of her books so I thought what a what better way to do a mystery novel than to do Agatha Christie <laughs> and make them See why I love her so much. So, um, we chose the book *The Murder of Roger Ackroyd*, which is one of her more well-known, famous uh, novels to do with her iconic character Hercule Poirot. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, as far as spoilers go, if you haven't read this book and you're planning on it and you hate spoilers, just don't listen to this because. There's no way that we can make it through this without telling you important details. Slash read the book and then come back and listen to it. And then come back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please come back. <laughs> um, okay, so do you want to give just like a little brief overview? Of course. So um, <laughs> so Agatha Christie's books are all different um, in their tones, but this one kind of goes with the, um, I guess, the tone of, having a narrator who's not necessarily Poirot himself narrate the whole book and, you know, his journey and um, whatnot with uh, Poirot and solving the crime. And so you're kind of getting like an outsider's perspective into the goings-on in this tiny little English village, which I'm blanking on the name of it right now. (laughs) But um, essentially the stage is set with uh, Poirot Um, being a retired detective and no longer being a private detective for hire in this tiny little English village where kind of everyone knows everyone's business. And there's been a recent suicide um, of a wealthy woman. And then uh, directly following, there's been a murder of um, another wealthy gentleman in the small village. So Hercule Poirot is mixed up in this and they ask him to, you know, help solve the murder and see if it's like related to the suicide or whatever and um he finds out who did it pretty quickly and we're left wondering the whole time who it's gonna be and pretty shocked at the end so (laughs) um that's kind of just like a brief overview of kind of how her books typically are you're typically wondering the whole time who it is and if you're lucky like I was this time you actually figured it out most of the time, not so much, but hmm. it's great. So I asked the girls this time to make their version of a European-Belgian hot chocolate because 
It is actually Hercule Poirot's favorite drink, which if you read uh, a lot of the novels featuring him, you'll see that quite often that he's always drinking hot chocolate and all the English people are wondering why he's doing that and not drinking tea or coffee or something normal. Um, We did see that in this book too. Yeah, (laughs) so it worked out pretty well. Um, But a fun fact, and this may not be true in modern times, but at least in the time period that this is set, like early 1900s to mid 1900s, um, hot chocolate in Europe, or at least what he would have had, was like pretty thick, um, and not what we're used to over in the states with being like more of just like a watery type of hot chocolate. Swiss uh, Miss. That might not. What? Swiss Miss. <laughs> yeah, Swiss Miss. Um, so that's kind of why we decided to like make it on our own. Yeah, we got very, very crafty today. We did. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, had some fun uh in the kitchen (laughs) or some confusion (laughs) yeah a lot of confusion but um Susie and I made a um because I just so happened to be near her actually after I had class today so we decided to make our hot cocoa together and Annie's gonna put the recipe in the link in a link or whatever in the podcast but essentially it's involving whipping cream and milk whole milk to be precise and dark and milk chocolate belgian chocolate to be exact because he's belgian and we also made our own whipped cream by whipping whipping cream (laughs) how do you what do you think about it Suze? i like it i think it almost might be too rich because i'm an american Mm -hmm. and i'm used to that that's swiss miss annie what are you drinking so a little bit of a backstory (laughs) so I was supposed to be starting a whole 30 today so everything about this is against everything that I'm supposed to be doing today but it's fine it's fine I'll sacrifice for the book club I'll drink some hot chocolate it's fine and then (laughs) I basically just used what I had in the house which was it's I don't want to say healthy but it's not horrible I don't know it's wholesome sure so (laughs) I used 90% dark chocolate and then I used so I used some half and half which is like absolutely not allowed on the whole 30 so whatever um but it was organic so there's that and then I used I put a little bit of butter in it but it was grass-fed butter so it's fine and that's it that's all I did. I didn't put any sugar in it, so I don't feel horrible about my life. Anyway, so our hot chocolate stuff has been kind of an adventure. Moving on. For sure. Um. <laughs> Do you want to talk about additions? Yep. I originally thought that I owned this book, but it turns out it has vanished, and I have no idea. Like, I think I may have given it to somebody, but I have no idea who it was, so... I don't know where it is. So I rented it from the library, and it's actually a nicer version than mine was, which was a nice happenstance. Um, So this is the, it's a Bantam book, and it's part of the Agatha Christie Mystery Collection that was published in March of 1983. And it's like leather bound. There's a little silhouette of Agatha Christie's face on the cover. It's nice. I liked it. Okay. 
I think yours is very beautiful, Annie. Oh, thank you. Like, you're, like, excellent on a bookshelf. Yeah. It's a very high-quality library book. Mm-hmm. I actually have one of those. I have the Elephants mm-hmm. Can Remember version of that. So, my edition is the first Harper paperback published in 2011. Um, it is the HarperCollins Publishing Company. And it's paperback, and it has a old-style telephone on it, which becomes an important part of the book. That's yeah. the edition that I thought I had. Did I give it to you? Is that my? Is that mine? No, I bought it. Oh, dang it. I know. I'm I have sorry. no idea where this book is. <laughs> I like, on top of it, my book, it says, The Queen of Mystery, Agatha Christie. The Queen. She is the Queen she is. Um, okay, so mine is the 2017 edition from Barnes & Noble by HarperCollins Publishers. And mine is pretty special because I know we kind of, like, all love these because they, like, really look nice on the outside. There's always at least yeah. one of them. <laughs> this one's yeah. a fancy edition. And funny story, I've actually had this edition since last year because... Um, the Murder on the Orient Express came out in theaters, and I was really excited to see this movie because I had seen some Agatha Christie plays growing up, you know, and really remember really liking them. So I was like, oh, like, I'd really like to see this movie. And then I kind of just, like, really got into the idea of, like, just, like, wanting to start reading her books. And so I actually bought this book, which features three of her novels, one being the one on the cover being like the murder on the Orient Express because the movie was coming out so that's kind of why they did it but um I yeah I really got into it but I'm actually I'm just now like reading this copy and it's been a year since I've had it which is kind of funny but but yeah so this one has three different um Poirot books in it it has the murder on the Orient Express murder of Roger Ackroyd and curtain call Poirot's last case so yeah I finally got to open it and it was pretty cool but I like it, and it has Poirot and a train on the front, and then, like, a dead guy on the back because it's murder, so. (laughs) Fun. (laughs) Yep. Would you guys like to tell me your lovely sentences about what you thought about the book? I'm ready. Why don't you start, Annie? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So my sentence is, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, one of Agatha Christie's most well-loved novels, follows Monsieur Poirot as he cracks a murder case by working hand-in-hand with the perpetrator, leaving the reader to piece the puzzle together as they go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> They're clapping. I love it. That's what that noise is. <laughs> um, my sentence was, in Agatha Christie's The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, the reader is drawn into a world where no one can be trusted. Suicide. Murder. Poison. Oh my! No secret is safe. So dramatic. Uh, Okay, so my sentence is, This month, we journeyed to a sleepy English village where all is not what it seems. With suicide and murder, the only one to uncover the sinister plot is none other than our beloved Belgian detective, Hercule Poirot. Join us as we delve into the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Dun, dun, dun. Love it. Um, I love our sentences. I was actually like pretty proud of mine. I feel like we should have theme music. 
Yeah, I feel like our sentences this time sound a little more like movie trailers. I know. Right? I feel like there should like, be music after every sentence. You just like need yeah. to play the David Suchet um, Poro soundtrack in the background. Anyway. Um, yeah, there is a TV series on all of the Poro novels, if you were unaware. I highly recommend it. I love it. So I'll link it. Um, in the <laughs> description. I pointed down below. This isn't YouTube. This is... You can't see any of this. See but, it in your mind. Yeah, no, it's really great. <laughs> so I'm definitely going to watch the episode for this movie, or this uh, mm-hmm. novel, soon. <laughs> now that we've read it. Having Mystery Month was like a journey for me. Because mm-hmm. this is only the third mystery novel I have ever read. And they've all been by Agatha Christie. Um, the first Agatha Christie I ever read was And Then There Were None. And it was amazing, but I also was legitimately scared by it. And so I didn't pick up another mystery novel for over, I think, two years after reading Agatha Christie. When did you read that? Like, what year? And then there were none. I read it when I was a freshman in high school. I read it in eighth grade, I think. So pretty similar, actually. And it was really good, but, like... That book is creepy. <laughs> and so I thought that, like, all murder mysteries are like that. I'm not – I probably wouldn't be scared by it now. Um, but reading this one, I really liked it um, because it was well-written and it was shocking and a surprise at the ending. And I just like her writing style a lot. But I also wasn't scared by it, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. I was, like, drawn into it to – figure out the murderer and really you get to know the characters really well in this book um but it's making yeah it's making me want to like read more mystery novels which is good do you want to know a sad story what yes so i finished this book yesterday i had a nightmare about it (laughs) i have nightmares so incredibly easy and i didn't even think this book was that scary until i had a nightmare no. Also, our electricity went out last night, so it was, like, this extra no. layer of creepy. So, I don't know. Annie, now I'm scared. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> That's hilarious. I think it's hysterical. I'm sympathy scared. Yeah. It was terrifying. Mason was like, just go to bed. What's wrong with you? And I was like, there's a murderer. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, okay, so speaking about the – so, Susie, you kind of mentioned how – it was this book was different from previous Agatha Christie you've read because the previous one was like pretty dark, you know, and pretty scary. So, in contrast to that, this one's pretty light toned, I would mm-hmm. say, and like light hearted. So, what would you think? Like, why do you think the purpose of that is in terms of like yeah. why this style for this book versus like a different one? Like, why why do you think she was like trying to be like light hearted? Do you think? This isn't, like, a right or wrong answer, by the way. This is just, I'm just curious what you think. Yeah. I think, I think that this came across as more lighthearted, specifically because of Caroline. Because um, she was really, I found her really funny. Um, and just is very much like a busybody trying to figure everything out. I think Agatha Christie maybe had a more lighthearted mystery novel because maybe... Mm-hmm. Back in her time, or even today, mystery novels get, like, not a bad rap, but a reputation of being things that are scary and being books that you really have to, like, Uh read in a well-lit room 
Um, and this one, wow, yes, I could see how it could, could be scary too. I'm not discounting. I'm sympathy scared, Annie. Um, <laughs> this one, I think it's to show her versat like how versatile she can be as an author and how she can weave together awesome murder mysteries where it has you like tense at every second or mm-hmm. ones where you can like legitimately laugh and also it's you know a murder mystery so there are dark moments but it is nice that there are like some light-hearted scenes and I think she did that maybe she wanted to have a lighter thing to show that murder mystery isn't just always like shadows in a corner so and just for everybody else's reference can you explain who Caroline is Caroline is the sister of the narrator, Dr. Shepard. One of the first scenes is like Dr. Shepard coming home and talking about how the uh, suicide that Mm -hmm. starts the book, I think it was Mrs. Ferris is how to pronounce her name, Um, how he was like, oh, I'm going to go and like, you know, maybe I'll keep it to myself. Like he likes to be discreet. And Caroline literally is like, oh, I already know. He's like, how? You haven't even left the house. And she's like, oh, the milkman found from the mailman found from this man. I'm like, I know everything. And Caroline just really likes to employ herself in the city's best profession, gossip. (laughs) And yeah, she is a lighthearted character. It's just amazing, though, because there there were rare times when she was wrong about something. Yeah. She was usually yeah. right. Well, there was oh, yeah. the time when Poirot puts, like, an advertisement in the newspaper about him mm-hmm. being, like, the what they think is the killer, like, being caught. And she's like, oh, I knew he was there. <laughs> and, like, he was totally faking. Like, they didn't actually have this guy. They were just, like, trying to – he was doing it as an experiment. But yeah. it was, like, so funny. Right, right. Yeah. I liked what it said in the book about how a lot of times women are, like, subconsciously noticing hundreds of things where they come up with, like, the whole, like, intuition, where she has, like, a really good intuition about even the fact that um, Ralph's fiancé, they were like, oh, she doesn't even care for him. Like, that kind of stuff. She just kind of, like, knows because it's Caroline. Should we kind of, like, set the stage a little bit about some of the characters? So you have Poirot, who we've kind of already talked briefly about. He's, like, the detective in the story. Mm-hmm. Then Dr. Shepard and his sister Caroline. And then we have um, the main household where Roger Ackroyd is murdered. So Roger Ackroyd, the guy who got murdered, great. He's wealthy. And he's then a widow. basically the rest of the yeah, he's a widow. The rest of the story pretty much surrounds like people who he was close with, so his family members and also some extended family as well as some friends. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone who pretty much was like staying at the house for the most part. Um, were suspects so then it pretty much is like focused on a lot on them so ralph who susie mentioned is um actually his adopted son adopted because he was like the step he was like a stepson essentially he wasn't actually roger's blood son so Mm -hmm. um that's who ralph is and then you have flora who is his niece and Mm -hmm. um you have flora's mother who's like is that his cousin or something? Or his brother's or it's his wife, sister it's his right? sister in law, yeah. 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 His sister in law. Yeah. Um and Hector Blunt, who is like I guess friends with Roger mm-hmm. or something and like hunts a lot. 
in Africa. I don't know. Um, he was interesting. And then he had, like, you had his secretary, Mr. Raymond, and then Parker, the butler. And then there was two servants who were of um, some consequence, Ursula Bourne and Mrs. Russell. Or Miss Russell. Russell. Yeah. One of the great yeah. things about Agatha Christie books is there's always, there are always so many characters, but she always does mm-hmm. such a good job at explaining them in depth where you mm-hmm. feel like you know them, like you know why they're suspected and like you just mm-hmm. become very familiar with them. It's not very confusing after yeah. a while. At first it's like overload, yeah. but yeah. then then as it continues, mm-hmm. everything starts making sense. I feel like she's really good at character development in a few words or sentences. Yes. Like, the way she describes things is she says so much using so few words. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have to do with just, yeah, like, human nature. And, you know, she says these things, and you can immediately put it all together um, because you know the characters so well, because she's so good at describing them. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Annie, um, back to kind of what I asked about to Susie earlier. What did you feel about, like, the tone of the book compared to... Because you've read a little bit more Agatha Christie mm-hmm. than Susie has. So, like, what did you think about it? And, like, did you think it was, like, weird, off-putting? Or did you think it was, like, different compared to other stuff? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? I don't know. Because it still is very much... Like, so much of Agatha Christie's style is seen in the book. So it's not anything that's that's like unfeasible as far as her style goes like it makes sense that she has mm-hmm. written such a like lighthearted mystery but at the same time the lightheartedness of it and i don't know if this is just because i'm a paranoid person but i don't know sometimes the lightheartedness made it seem a little ominous to me because i kept expecting something to happen so sometimes something did happen sometimes it didn't but i think that the lightheartedness of it just built up this suspense for me a little bit. Hot chocolate update. I added a fourth a cup of milk. It's better. It's better and watery, just like we like it. It's Americanized. <laughs> Yay. Um, but yeah, thank you, Annie, for enlightening us on that. No, I definitely agree. There was a huge plot twist at the end, being, this is a spoiler, that the narrator of the book was the murderer, Dr. Shepard. And da 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 And I had an inkling, and I know Shannon also did too, but based off of um, Hercule's explanation, I think he knew very early on that it was Dr. Shepard. So, like, once you know it, you know, you kind of think back and you're like, oh, yeah, this and this and this. So I guess my question for discussion is, like, when do you guys think that Perot knew who the murderer was? (laughs) And, like, a little bit about his process. Do you think that he knew Dr. Shepard was it very early on and he was just kind of doing, like, experiments throughout the whole book? Like, talking to people or testing people? to see if it really was him to confirm it? Or do you think that he kept talking to all these people and getting more information um, because he didn't know? There's also other opinions, too. That's just what I can think of off the top of my head. 
I'm gonna let Shannon go first because she she suspected the the correct person and I did not. So, I think Perot first started thinking it was him. Um, pretty early on, I think like once he talked to all the suspects mm-hmm. and also had all the facts in front of him in terms of he looked at the crime scene, he was able to like, you know, go around the grounds of the house and look at everything and whatnot. I think he started. I think he always has an idea, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the book is him trying to prove that this idea is correct to himself, mm-hmm. typically. I think that's typically what's going on in his mind. Um, and he does like, these little experiments throughout the book where he like tests his theories <laughs> by using people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I think to me that's kind of, I think he knew pretty early on, like once he'd seen everything is what I would say. I think... I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does, yeah. I think that he suspected him right away because Perot suspects... And this is the second book I've ever read of him, but it's kind of like he suspects everyone. And... um, Because even, like, right when he met him, he was like, well, I discover everyone's secrets. And he's like, I think you have a secret, too, to Dr. Shepard. I'm not sure if he knew exactly what that secret was, but I think he suspected everyone. Um... And I think that he might have known. Um, one like just scene that comes to mind is when they're talking about who it can be and how Ralph has so many motives. Like he's like Dr. Shepard's like, oh, he has this motive and this motive and this motive. And I was like in my head, I was thinking like, Dr. Shepard seems to be doing a really like gung ho job of pinning this mm-hmm. on someone behind himself. And that's when I had an inkling of like maybe it's him maybe it's dr shepherd um but you're right i didn't really think about the fact that he's the narrator i know he's the narrator obviously but i didn't think about the fact that Mm -hmm. he was omitting himself because he was the narrator and that makes perfect sense um so i think personally that uh perot knew pretty early on as well and then he was just testing it throughout the whole book yeah i'm so now that I've had a chance to like think through the book again while I listen mm-hmm. to your answers, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it kind of so Poirot as a character, he always looks at everything very logically. So I think he had every possibility of what could have happened going on in his head when mm-hmm. he first came onto the scene. Um, but I think it was probably during his conversations with Caroline. Dr. Shepard's sister that he kind mm-hmm. of came to his conclusion because he did yeah. learn some things from Caroline that because she's a lot well a lot more willing to tell yeah to tell secrets than Dr. <laughs> Shepard is yeah <laughs> yeah well and it makes sense later why that was really clear in the book that Emma's mentioned many times that like Dr. Shepard doesn't want to say everything mm-hmm. he wants to like hold his cards against his chest about just gossiping or his patients or anybody mm-hmm. it just was like his character but caroline was very much like open yeah they're open very about. much um like not parallel but they're like perpendicular. this contrast yeah perpendicular yeah. they're perpendicular <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah i get what you mean though contrasting yeah. mm-hmm. um and i do think it's i don't know it's like brilliant that Mm -hmm. the whole book is basically his memoir as Dr. Shepard's journal of what happened so he's allowed to omit things because he's the one telling the story yeah so I thought that was 
really well yeah. done because that's like my pet peeve with mystery novels is when the author leaves things out but in this case it's okay because the murderer is the one who's telling the story so he's telling mm-hmm. it how he wants to yeah that was a really cool tool that mm-hmm. she used Agatha yeah. Christie I like how she tells stories or reveals the murderer or uncovers information in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like some of it you get from like narrative, like people talking. Other ways you get it from observ- observation. Not even that it's told. It's just like she's describing a scene. You're like, are we supposed to be getting something from this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, it's cool how she did it. Yeah. How do you guys read mystery novels? Do you read it passively? Like you're just reading the book and you're trying to go along with the story as it happens? Or are you trying to figure it out the whole time and trying to, like, keep track of all the evidence? I try to figure it out. I think usually I, like, overdo it because I come up with these really crazy explanations that in no way are what actually happens. But I just, my imagination just goes insane when I read mysteries. Who do you think it was, Annie? I think that was one of your questions. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry this was if I'm my stealing question. it. <laughs> That's okay. We can talk about it since you guys apparently were right all along. So I had <laughs> I had in my mind that it was going to be Hector Blunt and Flora working together because they she planted this like red herring at the beginning when she when they were talking about um, that there's no way a woman could be blackmailing and there's no way a woman could be murdering. So in my mind I was like, well, of course it's going to be a woman now, which it wasn't. But I decided that that was, that was a collision, but it wasn't. So I decided it was Hector Blunt because he and Flora ended up being together at the end of the book and because Blunt was pacing around on the terrace all evening, so he was, like, watching on the inside and Flora was caught right outside the room mm-hmm. where her uncle was murdered. So... I don't know. And she was hard-pressed for money. That was my... That was my guess. I'm sad. I thought throughout the book, as they were explaining everything, that it seemed like everyone had a motive. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many people that had a motive and so many people that had a way that for most of the book, I was, like, more of a passive reader, honestly. Of, like, I don't even know who it can be. Until, like, that conversation that they had where I was like, huh, light bulb. Um, <laughs> light bulb. But, yeah, I wasn't trying to, like, keep track of everything. I kind of was just, like, letting it happen and then, like, forming conclusions based off of, kind of like Shannon and I based it off of more of a feeling, not mm-hmm. really a concrete fact. What did you guys think of the fact that he was blackmailing Mrs. Ferris? I had no idea about that. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to be, like, one mm-hmm. random person blackmailing or if it was going to be both. Like, okay, so it was either... The suspect was either going to be one who was both blackmailing the woman... Okay, so let's start over. So uh, Mrs. Ferris, the person who committed mm-hmm. suicide, had been, had been being blackmailed because she had poisoned her husband <laughs> the year before... Because she hated him. And she was in love with uh, Roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. And so she was being blackmailed for that. And she, at the end of her life, wrote Roger Ackroyd about it and said, it's someone close to you who has been blackmailing me. uh, And, you know, like, should I tell you, should I not? This was like her suicide note. Mm -hmm. And 
So you see, like, fast forward, like, Dr. Shepard is with Roger when he gets this letter. And, like, Roger, you know, is, like, I don't know. He's, like, really nervous and stuff. And um, I guess, like, um, Dr. Shepard was, like, who is it? Who is it? But, like, the whole time it was him. And <laughs> you're, like, wait, what? Yeah. So um, Poirot had pointed out that the murderer either was going to be the person who not only bla- was blackmailing mrs ferris um but also the murderer or it could be the case that they were just two unrelated incidents Mm -hmm. so that was like one thing that you were kind of trying to figure out throughout Mm -hmm. like if it was one or the other um i am not surprised that they were related i will say that i'm not surprised either yeah once you finish the book like i finished it a couple days ago and now i've been ruminating 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 there you go ruminating on it for a couple of days I realized like kind of the genius of how there's so many like pockets of information and themes that are all connected like the poison yeah like the fact that it all it's comes like, can you down put them together that it all comes down to the very beginning which is Mrs. Ferris like how everything comes together and there's not clues but so many like truth nuggets that you're like oh (laughs) Agatha Christie I see what you did there well and like it's like it's like Poirot says if you think about it logically it's not hard to come with the to the conclusion but it's like you don't because you don't want to think it's the narrator because he seems like a nice guy he he's oftentimes reminding of you of like Poirot's old sidekick Hastings you know just this I don't know and so you don't think it is, but then, like, when he explained it, you're like, yeah, that really only is the only thing that could have made sense. How would how else would anyone know that she'd poison her husband except the doctor who had been attending her husband? Mm-hmm. Like, who else yeah. would have known that besides maybe a servant? But none of these servants worked for Roger Ackroyd, who had worked for mm-hmm. her. So, like, really, that was the only connecting link mm-hmm. who could have actually figured out that she'd actually poisoned her mm-hmm. husband. So it's like, yeah, but I... I, like, didn't think about that right. to begin yeah. with. I don't You're know. It's like, oh, <laughs> duh. Yeah. No, I'm but just like, so, yeah, like, I'm so impressed with, like, Perot as a person because he uncovered everything. Not mm-hmm. just the things relating to the mystery itself, but, like, everything. That, like, you know, Ursula wasn't really a housemaid before. She got a reference from her sister or something. And that, like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Flora and Ralph didn't actually like each other. Like, there were secret engagements or, like, the ring with the R on it. Like, he uncovered everything. Mm-hmm. And he's also hilarious. Yes. Yep. He's really sassy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Poirot scene from this book? There's so many. Susie? I know. Annie, Annie, do you want to go first? I can. I can go first. So my favorite thing that I think happened in this book was it was during this scene where Poirot calls everybody together to confront them that he knows that they all have secrets. And when he is um, realizing that nobody's admitting anything, he goes, hmm, perhaps my abilities are starting to wane. And then the narrator says, he was clearly expecting um, a contradiction, <laughs> which I just thought was so funny. Like, he was wanting compliments while he was interrogating everybody. But also, now that I'm thinking about it, this is the murderer talking, so I don't know who to trust anymore, but it's fine. 
This book ruined yeah. me a little bit. <laughs> I like, um, there's, I'm just open to it. But there's this one part where um, Dr. Shepard is talking to Perot and they're talking about like the inscription on the ring. And he's like, you know, Dr. Shepard's looking at Perot to be like, you know, just look at their facial expressions, like what's their opinion kind of thing. And he says, I looked at Perot and he was busy inspecting his appearance and the tiny pocket glass. He paid particular attention to his mustache and none at all to me. And I just think that's hilarious. Like just looking, like a picturing the scene in my mind where he's just like, like twisting his mustache. Yeah. <laughs> he cares a lot about his mustache. He does. A lot. Um, that's a good one. Uh, okay, so mine's, like, not as, I don't know, as, like, funny as that one, I guess. Um, mine more is just, like, a general theme of Poirot and how he's viewed as, like, a foreigner. (laughs) So, as, like, in, so this book takes place in England, like I said, most of these, I think, pretty much, majority of them do take place in England some he goes on trips and stuff to different parts of the world and stuff happens there but um whenever he's in England the the English who do not know him and are not familiar with him like he's fairly well known in London I would say for the most part but in this little sleepy English village like at the at the beginning like Caroline and Dr. Shepard thought he was a hairdresser like they had no idea who he was um yeah because the mustache and like the town had even gotten his name wrong um, his Poro or something like anyway, yeah. Um, but I think one of my favorite um, scenes had to do with, and I think it's Inspector Raglan or something. Um, and it was him and Doctor Shepard and Poro, and they were all talking about the case. And like, I think Poro said something about like caring about like the chair being pushed out and like whatnot, and like the telephone call so much. And, like, they're both, like, oh, he's going crazy. Like, he's, like, going loony or whatever. And then after that, he tells them about, you know, the fact that um, Flora Ackroyd had been lying to them the whole time and that she actually had not been in the study and never seen her uh, uncle alive. Um, She had just been stealing money from upstairs in his room. (laughs) And the, like, inspector was, like, outraged. And he was, like, no, it's not possible. And then it was, like exactly what happened and it was like you just get like making fun of this guy for being crazy for caring about like little details and then like you were completely wrong about so many Mm -hmm. it was just really funny to me i love it just when he like proves people wrong constantly i also it's great so i studied french in college so all the little like snippets of french that he would speak yeah i never know what those mean uh, it spoke to my heart i was very happy about that yeah also I think he was at the train station or someone, but some ang- Englishman who knew who he was, he said, Moussoir Poirot. <laughs> like, it's spelled, they spelled it out M-O-O. Yeah, I saw M-O-O. Moussoir. Moussoir. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I have a question. So, like I was saying earlier with, in my favorite scene, just, like, some of the objects that Poirot paid specific attention to, and people were kind of like, "What? this doesn't matter. So what did you think when he kept bringing, coming back to those, like the chair and the telephone call, when he kept coming back to them over and over again? Like, did you, like, think, did you ever have any theories of, like, why he kept coming back to them and the significance of them? Or were you just kind of like, why does he care so much about this chair? <laughs> 
This is another one of those instances where my brain was just going crazy. So about the chair, I was like, this chair is important. <laughs> I just can't figure out why. I thought maybe there was a secret passage because yeah. sometimes there are secret passages. So <laughs> it was a valid, valid theory. But no, I thought there was a secret passage. But my brain was freaking out about the chair. So I knew it had to be important, <laughs> but I literally didn't know why. I thought maybe he kept bringing... I noticed that he kept bringing it up around different people. So, like, maybe he was trying to get, like, their reaction to the chair moving. Um, but it seemed, like, so important. I literally... I had no theories. I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I'm sure it's important. <laughs> what do you think about Dr. Shepard being so, like, involved in the like mystery do you think he was trying to stay close so that he would know if like they were on to him i don't know i think poirot kind of dragged him into it because he's like you're my friend you're like my friend that i had back in my other cases and so he kind of just became this assistant to yeah. poirot so i don't think it was intentional yeah. i think that too i think it's also like he was kind of at the right place at the right mm -hmm. time I mean, well, because it makes sense once you know how he did what he did, like, why yeah. he was there. But he just kept popping up because, like, he was needed. So, I mean, he showed up first on the scene because right. he's a doctor, right? So mm -hmm. he was seeing if the body was alive, you know, all that stuff yeah. was, like, doing the post-examination, all that kind of stuff. So he was always kind of already in it. And they were next-door neighbors. So I feel like it just kind of worked out because he still was, like, involved even, even if he, like, wasn't. A member of the household because of mm. who he was station wise in life and he was like a family friend so hmm. um to kind of tie this to something that we normally do with our other books and even though this book is so different I still think there are some so I know we usually talk about themes a little bit um so one thing that I saw in this book is just this pattern of these broken familial blocks Blondes. Bonds. Blondes. Blondes. So, like, we have Flora and Ackroyd and um, mm -hmm. Ackroyd and his sister-in-law. Yeah. And, you know, even Caroline and James are kind of these, like, they just don't click. Um, and then we have, like, Ralph and Ursula and what else? I had another one. Oh, yeah, Miss Russell and Charles yes. Kent. That surprised Her, me long lost son mm -hmm. so I um saw like the the theme of like the dangers of making assumptions um so I don't know if you guys picked up on this either but it was a lot of people Caroline included would mm -hmm. make a lot of assumptions about different people about whether they thought he did it he or she did it, the murder. And um, usually people, when they were, like, making these assumptions, they usually didn't have much to back it up with. It was just based on, mm -hmm. like, what it seemed to be at the time. And based on, like, little snippets of gossip they would have heard. And, like, I think, like, a big example of us, even as readers, making assumptions is thinking that, oh because it's the narrator they're they're um not a suspect right like they're they safe. can't possibly yeah, yeah mm -hmm. like they're safe they can't possibly be a suspect because they're telling us the story 
and that's wrong. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we assume too much. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to Poirot's concept of, like, assume everyone. Like, no one is safe. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because even in one of his books, uh, he was on an airplane and there, a murder took place and he went to the inquest and some of the people, because he was foreign, accused him of the murder. It's so funny. And, like, the police are like... Yeah. Yeah, no, we're not going to take that seriously. And, like, um, Poirot's like, you still have to prove that it wasn't me. (laughs) It was was really funny. Um, Poirot. That is funny. That actually brings up something else I was going to talk about. So, Agatha Christie, I think, and I think this is why these books are, like, I love them, but also why I'm also terrified of them. Um, It's because she's really good at portraying the dark side of humanity, and how, yeah. like, everybody has something to hide. Like, not ev- like nobody is totally innocent. And I think that's why I freaked out. So. Uh, just one theme that I saw is, like, you said, like, assumptions. Like, the danger of assumptions. It's kind of just, like, the danger of secrets. Because everyone had a secret. And it might not even have been related to the murder itself. And it might not even have been a bad thing. But it was just also, like, when you withheld things it derailed the, like, murder investigation a little bit. Like, how Flora didn't say goodnight or, like, what was it? Ralph loved someone else with that kind of stuff. It's just kind of, like, maybe is she trying to... Do you think Agatha Christie was trying to say something without, like, the danger of secrets? Or is it just a murder mystery? Secrets are rampant. <laughs> we saw that the secrets constantly impeded the investigation because if everyone just would have been honest, then the time of death would have been... Mm-hmm figured out right away I mean and like the funny thing is is that like Shepard when he was doing this did (laughs) not think that anyone would like it like so many things happened that he did not expect like he didn't expect Flora to be lying about something and like this person to be lying about where they were at the time and it was just Mm -hmm. like everyone was lying about what they were because they all had equal opportunity and they all had equal means and like reason for doing it too that, like, they all were lying because they, like, didn't want themselves to be sought out as the murderer, whereas, like, you know, if they had just come clean to begin with, then maybe, I don't know, maybe things would have been different? I don't know. I agree. As do I. Dork. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Um, okay. What do you think, so going a little bit big picture, I guess, so what do you think is Agatha Christie's best tool that she used in her book? Um, Or, I don't know, like, best technique? Or something that stood out to you, at least, in the way that she wrote? And I know, like, Susie hasn't read too many of her books, but Shannon, this is probably more for you, because you've read many. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, I have to think about this a little bit. So, do you want me to go first? Yeah, why don't you go first? <laughs> okay, because I have my answer. So, <laughs> so mine, um, I already talked a little bit about how she portrays the dark side of humanity. So that was a big one that I have, um, where I guess it's more that her mysteries are more three-dimensional. So it's not just the, mur- or the murder, the detective is going to figure out who the murderer is, but he also figures out all of this other stuff that happens, um, and all of this other stuff that's important to the lives of these people. Um, 
I really liked how she reveals the information in a very, just such an Agatha Christie kind of way I'm learning, um, where she reveals it enough that you are really interested and you can form your own theories and you think you know what's going on, but then she's like, just kidding, it's the narrator, or like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, She just writes in a way where you think you know a lot, but at the same time you know nothing. Mm-hmm. And I love that her books are kind of just the mm-hmm. slow burn. So it's like there's a lot that's revealed and it's yeah. just kind of steady throughout because there's yeah. so much there. Yeah. She does like a great job of managing to incorporate all these details in such a way where you're like, I don't know. It's like if I get, I guess like the geniuses out there could really like put it together right away. But it's like the whole time you just, she does it in such a way that you keep wanting to read and you keep wanting to know mm-hmm. what does the telephone call have to do with any of this? How did that happen? Like, what <laughs> does the chair have to do with it? You know, you just like, she keeps adding fuel to the fire to keep you trying, guessing and trying to figure it out because she wants yeah. you to be engrossed in it, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's like, one of my favorite part, I guess, like, parts of her writing style, but also, I think, um, is usually just, like, her ability to just completely catch one off guard, because, like I said previously, so many of her (laughs) books, you get to the ending, and you don't, like, you're so surprised by it, you're like, how, oh my gosh, like, how in the world, like, and not even just this where it was like, oh, it's the narrator. Like, yeah. she, like, every single book, it's something mm-hmm. different. Every single short story, every single thing she's written, yeah. you're always just continuously, it's not even like things are continuously repeating. Like, that's how creative she is, is that she's mm-hmm. managed to write as many novels as she had, and you don't really see, like, a replaying motif in terms of, like, how the murder is committed, in terms of like, what actually happens, how the murder does it, you know? Yeah, no, just thinking about, like, motifs, like, in music, a lot of times composers will steal themselves, like, off of themselves. Let me be the music nerd. <laughs> they will, okay. like, so, like, Beethoven and Mozart, so many times they will compose something, and then 20 years later you'll hear the exact same motif in a different song, and it's not plagiarism because it's their own work, um, but I think it's really cool that she, like, doesn't plagiarize herself. Like, she is such a genius and so creative that she comes up with new ideas for every book. Yeah, it's like there's always a twist and you always know it's coming, but it's just so surprising mm-hmm. every time. And it, That's like the brilliance of it because I've read other mystery novels and they're just so different. Um, and I think it's maybe because for the most part her novels are pretty lighthearted. Not always, as we've discussed, but for the most part, like, it's pretty lighthearted and um, you don't feel, like, too gritty and, like, ooh afterwards. Whereas, like, some other mystery novels, you kind of are just like, wow, like, humanity sucks. This is, like, a dark place. <laughs> this world is dark. I need to, like, go, like, watch something happy, like, you know. You kind of leave being like, what just happened? Oh, my gosh. But you're not like, oh, my gosh, yeah. like. What, what is life? It's so horrible. You know, you know, I don't know. It's like you're more impressed. Yeah. So that's 
where I like it a lot and her as mm-hmm. an author. So I think just the tool of constantly keeping the audience guessing is a great one to have in the toolbox. <laughs> I bet Agatha Christie would have been a good serial killer. Probably. <laughs> Probably. She really thinks things through. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the short stories that I read about Poirot. He's like, I fancy a life of crime. No one would ever catch me. I'm so brilliant. <laughs> and he ends up like breaking into this house with Hastings because a client comes to them and is like, hey, I think this guy stole something from me and like I need to get ba- get it back or whatever. And so they become like cat burglars for a day mm. and then like end up getting caught by the police. And it's really funny because like Jap comes and arrests them and for all those people who don't know who Jap is he's a recurring character there's a lot of recurring characters in her stories especially Poirot um unfortunately they were not in this one because like we probably mentioned earlier he's retired at this point so he's like much older um but in his previous his earlier career he was in London mainly and there's a lot of characters that are just there all the time like I love how him being retired is just finding more murders I know they always find him. That's something that he always says is, like, they always find him. It's, he's never, he, he, he always goes on vacation, and then someone dies. <laughs> he's like, snap. Another Never murder. <laughs> but I think he genuinely enjoys it, obviously, so. I love it how, like, he's not modest, mm-hmm. but pretends to be modest. Mm-hmm. Or, like, where it's a new city, and so he's like, you guys don't know me yet, but I'm awesome. Yeah, essentially. Pretty much. Um, Were you guys satisfied with the ending? Or did you feel like, like, the fact that he killed himself, or did you feel like he should have had to go to jail? The fact that she tied in, like, what was it, Veneral? Like, the poison? Mm -hmm. From the beginning to the end, I kind of was like, okay, Agatha Christie. Then I was like, ooh, but that means there's, like, a double suicide. (laughs) Like... I was, I was kind of like, cool, icky. But like, that was like my reaction. Um, Varanol. Varanol. I just looked it up. Varanol, yeah. So it's not like I was like dissatisfied, but I don't really, I don't know. I was very satisfied. <laughs> Look at some people. It came like, it, it tied it very nicely to yeah. the beginning of the book. It just like tied it all together. And it was a very satisfactory explanation. It's one of those explanations where you can think about what happened in the rest of the book. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, now it all Yeah, because I was kind of wondering, like, would there have been any other way it could have ended once Poirot kind of gave him the option? Because he was the guy narrating the book. So I'm like, how is yeah. he going to end this if, like, he's arrested? I did think yeah. that it was cool, like, literary <clears throat> technique. The whole, we talked about the whole, that's like his journal. And he's right. like, like the end of it is really how like a journal would end. Right. Where it's like right. I wish that he had never retired from work and came here. Like I have no pity for myself. So like so let it be poison. Right. And if he didn't kill himself, he wouldn't have written that epilogue and then we wouldn't have the book. Yeah. So yeah. there's also Yeah, that. that's kinda of what <laughs> I was trying to like I was like Yeah. What? Um, yeah, there's no even, other way. Even Dr. Shepard was like, this is like some kind of poetic justice. Yeah. Like, he tied it back to the beginning mm-hmm. as well. Um, so anyway. what would you guys, uh, 
do you guys think that you would read another Agatha Christie book after this? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I really like her. I'm gonna dive She's more the into queen it. of crime. Does it make you want to try, like, not only a different Poirot book, but, like, different characters that she's written about? I love Miss Marple. Miss Marple! I love her. She's just this old lady that solves crimes. <laughs> I read, so I love A Murder is Announced because she finds out about the murder and then she literally moves into the neighborhood so that she can investigate. She just, like, <laughs> moved in with a friend. I love She's her. awesome. Read Miss Marple. Marple awesome. I've never read her before, and so I do I do want to uncover more of Agatha Christie. I definitely. What she has to offer. I'm kind of in a Poirot phase right now where I'm just kind of, like, reading all Poirot. Mm-hmm. But I do have Marple books on my shelf to read. Yeah. That I need to read. So now that we've talked pretty much everyone's ears off about this book and how great it is and how they should go read it, if they have already not, even though it's <laughs> completely spoiled for them now, um, what would you guys rate it? Well, I can start since you guys are pausing for a long time. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... So we... Okay, We've had a string of four stars for a long time. <laughs> hey, I Annie just changed just mine. Her. Yeah, she just fixed hers to five stars. Um, I am going for the to wind give and the this willows. book. Yeah, for that one. Um, five stars, which is a surprise because I actually knew who the killer was. But I think because I knew the ki- who the killer was, I was, like, that more impressed with how she did it. I was like, dang, that is, like, some mm-hmm. serious skill to, like, pull this off like she did. And everything was just so perfect and well thought out. And it's not even just like that. It wasn't just even that. It was the the fact the whole time the book was just so well written start to finish. Like, oh my gosh. It was amazing. I loved it. And it's definitely one of my favorites of her novels for sure. So. I also gave it a five, which is surprising. Um, I gave it a five because I do not inherently love like mystery novels but reading this book like makes me want to read more and I re- like I really liked it and I thought that it was like literary brilliance how she ties everything together how she describes characters how she keeps you on your toes but also feeds you information and um it was really shocking the end like I I thought it could be him that was who I would guess but I wasn't like 100% sure by any sense of the word. Um, I just really liked how she tied it all together and that it was the narrator and that it was this journal and all that kind of stuff. And it, I gave it a five too because it makes me want to read more of her books. And I think that's a really good sign as an author that people are like, that was awesome. I want more. Nice. So I gave it a four. I don't know. Like I agree with all the things that you're saying and like I really, really enjoyed it. But also comparing it to like murder on the orient express or and then there were none i think that those endings had a little bit more oomph if that makes sense like i literally wrote down in my notes not as much Mm -hmm. oomph i don't know even though it was very surprising like it just it was so satisfying that my brain like and maybe this is one of the downfalls of letting your brain go crazy when you read mysteries (laughs) I don't know. Like, it was really good, but I didn't think it was, like, quite a five-star. Compared to the other stuff you've read by her. Compared Which, to, Which, like, right. makes sense, because, like, the stuff that you listed, I haven't actually read. 
which is surprising because you think I would have already read those because they're like really popular. The classic. But I'm I'm saving them because I know they're so popular that like I want to leave them more towards the end of reading they're her stuff so because I want to finish with the best, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've saved those two. So yeah, if I was in your position, having read other really well-written novels mm-hmm. by her, I might think the same thing. All right. Are we ready to end? Do you want to say goodbye? Let's say goodbye yeah. to our fans out there. <laughs> goodbye, fans. Bye. 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 Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation on the murder of Roger Ackroyd by Agatha Christie. And now I hope you're dying to read this book. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Reading Minds either on iTunes or Google Play. Also, feel free to leave us an email at readingmindspodcast at gmail.com with any thoughts or ideas you have about what we've talked about today. And as always, check out the episode description for links to our drink recipes, book editions, and Goodreads accounts. For next month's book club, Susie picked the classic horror, Frankenstein. So get into the Halloween spirit by reading along with us. Until next time, enjoy this outtake from today's discussion. Bye, friends. Um, okay. Also, do you guys even know what Mahjong is? Because I don't. <laughs> I do. do you I thought it was only... that tile it's game. A, it's a game. Do you know the only reason know. I know what, <laughs> what it is? There's this movie that came out called Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, I know. I want to see <laughs> it. It's so I good. I want to read that book. Somewhere There's this scene book. in it where they're playing Mahjong. And that's the only reason I know what it is. And, like, the whole scene where they're like, oh, let's play it quick, like they do in Shanghai. It was just cracking me up. Because in this movie, they're in Shanghai, and they do play it, like, really quickly. It's like, do, 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 It's kind okay. of like cards, but with is, uh, time. Is it not that game? So... Is it not that game that you can find online where the tiles are all stacked up and you have to like find the matching ones on the ends? Because that's called Mahjong. Kind of. Mahjong. Yeah. Mahjong. That's what I thought it was. And then they were like describing like, oh, I have two circles. I have three lines. And I did not, that did not make sense. So if you guys ever played dominoes? Yes. They look, the tiles look like fatter dominoes. Mm-hmm. Like, they stand up really well. And it seems like every turn... I honestly don't know. So if anyone knows how to play Mahjong who's listening to this, this is very... I'm just, we have no send idea what Send us an email about. and send us the rules. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looked like they were discarding things.